Well, thank you, Graham, and uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, quite some months ago, I was uh, going through a number of uh, character studies, uh, biographical studies from the Bible, including, for example, um, four of the judges whose names are mentioned uh, as heroes of the faith in Hebrews 11, uh, Gideon and Barak, Samson and Jephthah. Uh, this morning, drawing near to Christmas, I thought we might return to that topic again, the um, uh, a biographical study, but this time having a look at some of the uh, what the scriptures have to say about Mary, the mother of Jesus. And so looking at a few points uh, today and uh, trusting that this will be a blessing to us. So um, uh, first of all, uh, we'll be mainly in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, it was from the Gospel of Matthew last Sunday night, but the Gospel of Luke this morning and starting from uh, chapter 1 and verse 26. Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 26. You know, a study of the life of Mary is one that should be of benefit to all believers. Uh, on the one hand, well, there are two reasons that I see. On the one hand... Uh, there are certain branches of Christendom which have exalted her and ascribed to her a glory that belongs only to the Son of God. And, uh, and so we reject uh, a lot of the uh, titles that have been given to her, such as Queen of Heaven and uh, Refuge of Sinners, Bride of the Father, Advocate of Sinners, Dispenser of All Grace, and so forth names that um, have no scriptural warrant at all. But secondly, in our reaction against this, sometimes we can be guilty of um, minimising uh, the value of this one, that the, the chosen by God to be the mother of our saviour. And, uh, and, and so we need to have a balanced look. And so uh, this morning, this is what we'll be doing. We'll be looking at so, some things uh, which the Bible says about uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus. So we're at uh, Luke chapter 1, reading from verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favoured one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. For you have found favour with God. So just to pause there for the moment, uh, no doubt she would have been troubled because I'm sure that if this had occurred to any of us for whatever reason, if we were suddenly brought face to face with, a, with an angel from heaven, um, we too might have been somewhat troubled and just uh, wondering what was going on. But we see here uh, two expressions that the angel said um, in verse 28, Rejoice, highly favoured one. This is telling that 
She is the object of divine sovereign grace, highly favoured. She is honoured, she is highly favoured. And then further along, uh, the angel said to her in verse 30, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. So she is highly favoured. She is now uh, the, the object of the grace of God but she has found favour. This is what she is in herself. Her manner of life is such that this was well-pleasing to God. And uh, so the information that she is given is that uh, she will be the mother of the Messiah. Uh, Verse 31, Behold, you will conceive in your womb, bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. Uh, Later, when the angel Gabriel was sent to Joseph, when Joseph thought that his beloved had been unfaithful, uh, the angel said, uh, Mary is pregnant, but it is a miraculous conception uh, of the Holy Ghost. She will bring forth a son. You will call his name Jesus, same as here to Mary, but he explains why because he will save his people from their sins. You see, this is the meaning of the word Jesus. Uh, Joshua from Old Testament times, or Yeshua, meaning uh, salvation of God. And so uh, he will save his people from their sins. Uh, Still, uh, Mary, you can see her faith advancing all the way. Um, The angel starts to tell her how all this will come about. Uh, He will be great, he will be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? And the angel then gives her this wonderful uh, explanation. The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. And so uh, this is uh, Mary's uh, visit by an angel from heaven to tell her and uh, uh, that uh, she is to be the mother of the long-promised Messiah. No doubt what godly young women down through the centuries would have been hoping for, or many of them would have been hoping that perhaps they might be the ones selected, but this was entrusted to uh, Mary. And uh, Mary from here goes on to see uh, her relative Elizabeth. We've seen um, Elizabeth and her husband Zacharias in the early verses of chapter 1, They became parents of John the Baptist, but once again, this was a miraculous birth as well because they were both well advanced in years and up until now they had been totally childless. And uh, so then it was given to them that they would be the mother of the forerunner of Jesus, John the Baptist, the one who would prepare the way for him. And so looking down to verse 39... Uh, Mary arose in those days and went to the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias 
and greeted Elizabeth. So these are to be the ones um, who would give birth to John the Baptist. Uh, Elizabeth is already uh, pregnant uh, with uh, their one and only son at this time. And uh, see what happens here. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb. And so here is a wonderful uh, recognition of the one uh, who, who Mary was to be and with the leaving of the babe in her womb. It um, must be a really lovely time for mothers to be, uh, but uh, how much more so in this case uh, that Elizabeth experienced when Mary came in and greeted her. The, the babe in her womb obviously recognising that the one that um, he was to be the forerunner of was here. And so um, Elizabeth then, uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, verse 42, spoke with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women. Note that, blessed are you among women. Not above women, among women. Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Actually, if you go back to verse, I think, verse 28, uh, the angel said the same thing to Mary. Um, Verse 28, having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favoured one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. So once again, we emphasise that um, uh, Mary herself was a sinner just like everyone else, but her life was such that she was well-pleasing to God. And she admitted it herself uh, in the Magnificat as we come to that now. Um, But going back to the words of um, Elizabeth, verse 44, For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfilment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And then Mary comes out with a beautiful, beautiful, well, One person has described it as the last of the Old Testament psalms and the first of the New Testament hymns. And I think that might be a pretty apt description. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Saviour for he has regarded the lowly estate of his maidservant for behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. So as you go through this, you will see uh, a couple of outstanding, several outstanding uh, points here. One, her knowledge of the Old Testament scriptures. If you have a Bible with marginal references, and you count the references there against uh, what Mary is declaring in this hymn of praise, the Magnificat, she quotes from many Old Testament scriptures and many of the Psalms also. And so um, uh, this is uh, amazing that this young woman has such a knowledge of the word of God. Of course, the word of God to them in those days was the Old Testament only, the New Testament uh, was not in existence. So, uh, the first, you know, in 46, 47, 
Her praise is focused on the Lord himself. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God, my saviour, acknowledging that she too needs a saviour and knowing that that saviour is God. Uh, Isaiah tells us that there is one saviour and that is God. So 49, for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. Uh, 48, which I missed out then, he has regarded the lowly estate of his maidservant, for behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. And so here she is rejoicing in this marvellous privilege which is hers, and yet with it comes also a danger, danger to her reputation because of her being uh, unmarried at this time and even of uh, severe prosecution and, uh, and the penalty of which is death by stoning as we saw uh, last Sunday night uh, from uh, Deuteronomy chapter 22 that um, uh, for one betrothed to be married to somebody is unfaithful uh, both those persons should be taken out and stoned to death unless she was forced uh, into that situation. And so, and so <clears throat> this is a risk that she is uh, taking and I'm sure she would have known. But just to read on in this uh, wonderful psalm, and uh, she's focusing here on the, the power, the, the omnipotence of God from verse 51. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the, low, the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich, those who are rich and uh, rejoicing in their riches and depending on their riches, he has sent away empty. And then uh, finally, uh, also remembering the promises that God has made to his people of old, the fathers of their nation, uh, Abraham, and uh, there's one here, uh, Israel, um, probably referring to the name that God gave to Jacob. No more will your name be called Jacob, it will be called Israel. And so here we have, um, he has helped his servant Israel. It may be... Uh, reference to Jacob or it might be to the nation itself down through the centuries uh, in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers to Abraham and to his seed his descendants forever and Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house so uh, th this is the first glimpse we have of Mary when she's visited by the angel and when she comes to Elizabeth now, passing on to the birth of Jesus, and we've already uh, had our attention been drawn to this this morning as we come over to Luke chapter 2 and verse 1. You see, <clears throat> the angel came to Mary who dwelled in Nazareth in Galilee. Now, if you know the land of Israel, you've got maps in the back of your Bible, you'll see that Galilee is up in the north of Israel and in the hill country you'll find the city of Nazareth. But a prophet in Old Testament times foretold that he would be born in Bethlehem. Uh, the 
prophet Micah in chapter 5, verse 2. Uh, thou, Micah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, a little insignificant city of no great uh, importance or recognition at all, but out of thee shall he come forth unto me, whose goings forth have been from of old and from everlasting. And so this uh, little insignificant uh, couple, Mary and Joseph, to them was born the Saviour, born in a small, insignificant township of no importance at all, uh, Bethlehem of Judea. But how is this going to be accomplished? Once again, we see the sovereignty of God in action here. A decree went out from Caesar Augustus. He didn't know why he made that decree, but he made it indeed. And uh, the decree was that uh, people should go back to the uh, place of their uh, birth or their association and there to be uh, counted. It was like a census and a collection of taxes as well. Now, presumably, they travelled by a donkey, that Mary sat on a donkey and was led. The Bible doesn't actually say, but most probably that is so. Now, um, as most of you know, just recently we have uh, uh, downsized our home and uh, uh, the many books, papers, booklets and so forth that um, hadn't seen in years and packed away. So when I'm unpacking, I get a little bit excited. and Wow, this here. Well, I came across a poem uh, from 30 years ago. It was a little annual booklet of 1992, but it has a delightful poem in it concerning, uh, well, it's titled Ode, O-D-E, to a donkey. You know, this poem of um, praise to a donkey, Ode to a donkey, O-D-E. And it goes like this. Ah, little donkey, tis an awesome burden that is yours to bear this day. How the angel choirs must sing, and you for joy must bray. I wonder, is it possible that in that equine mind you understand how blessed you are of all your ancient kind? Such honour never was before, nor ever shall be more to bear the answer to a sin-sick world and many an anxious prayer. For thereupon your humble self, as faithfully you plod, is born a wondrous gift of love from a wondrous loving God. Tread carefully then, my little friend, as you ply the Bethlehem road. There's a whole wide world out there awaits to greet your precious load. Though some may scorn the Saviour, born on this first Christmas day, long you'll be remembered for the role you had to play. This is written by Mr Reg W Howland from Warners Bay in New South Wales. Warners Bay is very close to Newcastle. It's uh, in the northern end of Lake Macquarie, a delightful township as well, but, um, but a delightful poem indeed, Ode to a Donkey. Well, um, so we have the uh, birth of Jesus from this couple from Nazareth and yet he was to be born in Bethlehem a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed and down to uh, Bethlehem they come 
And so um, another one of the doctrines of the Church of Rome is Mary's supposed perpetual virginity. And once again, we reject this uh, simply because the Bible does not uh, uh, bear that out at all. Did Mary have other children? Uh, Of course she did. And uh, we have a count of that, for example, in um, Mark's Gospel. Mark chapter... Mark chapter 6. Yes, it is. It's Mark chapter 6. So now, uh, this is uh, an event in the life of Jesus when he was growing up. And and here we read from verse 1. Then he, that is the Lord Jesus, he went out from there, came to his own country, and his his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is this not the carpenter, son of Mary, and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. This sounds very much like uh, Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, when uh, he was in his own hometown in Nazareth also. But um, here and in other uh, places in the New Testament, we have that he had four brothers and at least two sisters because they're there in the plural. The four brothers are named and uh, sisters plural as well. So, of course, Mary and Joseph had a normal married life following the birth of Jesus and uh, perpetual virginity of Mary is another one that we do not hold to at all. So um, uh, now we go on to what uh, uh, Graham has brought out for us already and that is the uh, proclamation of the angels. Uh, so very, very quickly here, and uh, there were, this is uh, chapter 2, verse 8, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night, and behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, do not be afraid, before behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The, um, the Magnificat that um, Mary proclaimed, that's been uh, recognised as one of the great hymns of that time uh, with the Latin title Magnificat, which is um, proclaiming magnificence. But also uh, this here, uh, <clears throat> Glory to God in the Highest, is also subject of another um, 
hymn of praise written since then, uh, Gloria in Excelsis Deo, Glory to God in the Highest. And so this is the origin of uh, that one as well, Gloria Excelsis, uh, Glory to God in the Highest, Gloria Excelsis Deo. Deo is God, glory to God. All right, so... um, Uh, The the angels uh, then uh, in verse 8 to 12, as we've read, uh, they have uh, this uh, proclamation when they they are visited by first one angel and then the uh, verse 13, suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God. So um, this would have been a wonderful sight for them. And uh, uh, reading on now to verse uh, 17, the determination of their hearts. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marvelled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. And so Mary was a very reflective young lady and she t- she's considering all these things, uh, escaping from the, uh, the exterior celebrations but uh, meditating upon them. And uh, th- this was uh, characteristic of her. <clears throat> so now we come to um, uh, another, uh, well there are some rituals here that uh, must be observed now uh, by uh, the Jewish people. In Galatians chapter 4 verses 4 and 5, um, there we read that when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, so there we have his humanity uh, and his deity. God sent forth his son, the son of God. He is God the son, born of a woman. Here is his humanity encapsulated in this. And uh, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. When Jesus was born, they were living according to the old Mosaic laws still. Uh, And and so there were certain rituals that had to be observed. And uh, uh, we have uh, uh, scriptures uh, which point to this. Uh, Just going back to Exodus chapter 13.
Exodus 13, uh, reading from verse 1, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. And Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by strength of hand the Lord brought you out of this place. But the Lord is calling upon Moses to consecrate all of the firstborn uh, in the family as well as uh, the animal kingdom. And uh, another scripture in Leviticus chapter 12 uh, these are laws that they had to obey. He was born under the law. Chapter 12, uh, verse 1, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, If a woman has conceived and born a male child, then she shall be unclean seven days, as in the days of her customary impurity she shall be unclean. And on the eighth day the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. She shall then continue in the blood of her purification 33 days. Now, these are rituals that they had to observe. Jesus, born under the law, but for the specific purpose of redeeming those who were under the law and to adopt them as sons of God. They were children of the law. And so this is what Paul is bringing out in the epistle to the Galatians when the fullness of the time had come, when God's timing was right, not before, not too late, it was right at the right time. Uh, if you go through pages of the Old Testament in the history uh, books there and also in the prophetical books, you will see that idolatry was rife. Well, idolatry was completely absent from Israel during the time of Jesus' birth. So this is part of when the fullness of the time had come, when there was no idolatry in the land. And so uh, these and other reasons uh, bring it to this time. So born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. You see, we are born again as children of God, but all of us, whether we're male or female, are adopted as sons of God. It was the son in the family who was the heir. And so uh, th this, this uh, goes off on a tangent now, I know. Uh, we're on to a different subject. But uh, because we are adopted as sons of God, we are all heirs of God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. But uh, you see, these uh, rituals had to be observed. So when eight days were accomplished for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, and then he is then uh, 33 days after that, as we saw in Leviticus, uh, that is when the days of Mary's purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. Uh, this is another scripture yet again uh, that uh, Luke is quoting here. And there to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. Now then, this sacrifice, going back to Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers, is that they had to bring 
a lamb of the first year for a sin offering. There were five offerings specified in, uh, in the book of Leviticus. And uh, the first one was a whole burnt offering. This was an offering totally to God. This was one rejoicing in God. It was uh, pretty much like our hymn, um, My Jesus, I love thee, I know thou art mine. Without any, without any conditions at all, uh, our love for him is to be total and absolute. This was the purpose of the whole burnt offering. They had to bring a lamb and then also a sin offering to make uh, to provide cleansing for their sin they had to bring also a turtle dove or a um, young pigeon well um, you see what they, what they and then also god made provision for any who could not afford to provide a lamb the poorer people would not have been able to do that and so for them that we have this special uh, uh, given that uh, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Reading this again, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. It had to be a sin offering and the offering specified was a lamb of the first year but for a poor family could bring a um, pair of turtle doves in place. And so, um, uh, th therefore, instead of a lamb and a turtle dove or a, a pigeon, it could be a pair of pigeons or a pair of turtle doves. And this is what Mary and Joseph uh, brought. In other words, what I'm saying is that they were a poor family. Just imagine... This poor couple in a, in a strange part of their land, they're down in, uh, in the south part in Judea instead of up in Galilee and all they can afford would be the two uh, turtle doves or two young pigeons. Their baby that they were presenting is the one of whom the prophet said whose goings forth have been of old from everlasting. In other words... Uh, the wealth of the whole universe is his. But you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he who was rich became poor so that we through his poverty might be made rich. Here is the, the example of that. The one who was rich uh, took upon himself that poverty, uh, born into that poor household, uh, as we've been hearing earlier on this morning. He could have been born in a mansion, in a palace. He could have been born to wealthy people, to very important people, but it was just this humble pair. Such is the Saviour. And so um, uh, as we go on here while they were there, so this is now uh, around about six weeks after Jesus is born, the eight days plus the 33 days, 41 days, six weeks, 42 days, well, uh, now, at this same time when the days of Mary's purification were over and they came back for this particular ritual, uh, verse 25 of chapter 2, Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. 
and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he, that is Simeon, took him, the Lord Jesus, this young babe, up in his arms, blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. Joseph and his mother marvelled at those things which were spoken of him. Then, Joseph, then Simeon blessed them, that is Mary and Joseph, and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. I said before that Mary, when she by faith accepted the responsibility of motherhood of the Messiah, that she was facing great danger. Now here she, she is hearing this message from Simeon, a sword will pierce through your heart also. And she suffered much during our Lord's earthly ministry, but also when we come to John chapter 19 and, and the other accounts of the crucifixion, there stood by the cross Mary, his mother. And so this is just a quick glimpse of this one who is chosen to be our saviour. That poor couple, peasants as they were, and uh, unable to provide the good things of life, and yet to them was given the responsibility of raising our saviour. And uh, to hear these words, but... Um, uh, wonderful words, a uh, wonderful experience for Simeon to have revealed to him that he would not see death until the Christ of God had come. And, uh, and the real rejoicing in his heart, Lord, now lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation. And uh, his heart just overflowed with love and praise to God. But ah, oh, what a word to Mary. A sword will pierce your heart also, or through your own soul also. Well, uh, we'll leave those thoughts uh, for now, and um, uh, we'll close in prayer. Loving Father, once again, as we have a glimpse of the circumstances surrounding the coming into this world of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Saviour. We pray that our hearts will well up with love and praise for him afresh. Father, we pray that our devotion to him will be renewed and that we will go forth from this place this morning uh, more determined than ever to make the claims of Christ known to a godless world to a sin-sick world, as we heard in that little poem. 
a sin-sick world which needs a saviour, blindly wandering, following the teachings of mankind which are so, so useless, so futile, and yet, Lord, the Lord Jesus, the Prince of Peace who came, has the answer to the, the wrongs of a sin-sick world. But, Father, lead us forth then in the joy of the Lord. Uh, bless us as we uh, celebrate in a very real way the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ into this world. But let us look forward then through his sinless life and to the foot of the cross of Calvary and there see the reason for his coming, going to the cross in our place. And so, Lord, uh, we ask that you lead us forth in joy and in reverence at this time. Amen.